What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Unhinged with me, your host, Amrit. This week's special guest is none other than myself. It's a solo episode today, and it's the first time I've ever done one. So I'm pretty excited to be chatting about a topic that is a very close to my heart, pregnancy and all the things that surround it. As some of you may know, I've had I've had an interesting journey to becoming pregnant. And if you've been following me on social media, you'll know that earlier this year I did have two miscarriages and now in my third pregnancy, I'm in my wow, am I in 21 weeks? Let me check my app. I am a fanatic on the what to expect what to expect app. And I check it every day. I'm 21 weeks and two days. So the longest I've come on a pregnancy, for sure, uh, my previous pregnancies this year, you were to, I believe, like the ninth or 10th week. So very exciting. And wanted to create a space for us to talk about, you know, everything that's been happening. Cause I've, I do get a lot of DMs questions almost every day and women sharing their experiences with me on having miscarriages. And, you know, it's such a common thing that happens. One in three pregnancies ended miscarriage. And I think that even just that fact alone is something I was very surprised at. So much can go wrong. Actually, so much more can go wrong compared to what can actually go right. And I think that we're so conditioned by pop culture to think that, you know, you've seen movies and those types of stories where it's like, oh, one night stand got knocked up now I'm pregnant. And while that is the case for a lot of people, it also is not the case for a lot of people. And especially as women, when we age, the chances of that happening become slimmer and slimmer. And just want to flag that, you know, this is not a ageist perspective because in full transparency, I will be 35 when I deliver this baby and so they do can they do refer to me (laughs) they refer to me as a geriatric pregnancy which was kind of shocking the first few times actually um it was surprising and some of the fact of some of the facilities and some of the practitioners will bring it up a lot we did have an appointment last week and Uh, my partner and I, John, were looking at each other and he said, how many times do you think they're flagged you're over 35 in this session? Um, They kept saying, because you're over 35, because you're over 35. So while, you know, I don't think that that by any means is geriatric or old, that's just the medical term that's used. And actually something that surprised me was my current OBGYN told me that in LA, the common age of pregnancies that he sees are 
30 from between 35 to 37. So he was like, you're young, like you've got nothing to worry about, which I found really reassuring. Um, you guys did submit a lot of questions, so I want to get to them slowly. I do want to flag that I am not a medical practitioner and I speak from a place of experience and I do think that nobody knows the body you're in better than yourself. So while we can, while I think it's important for us to come together on collective experiences so we feel less alone, I do want to make note that my perspective or my point of view might not necessarily apply to you and that's okay. It could just apply to me based off a number of things, my blood type, my hormone levels, the way my uterus is shaped. And so I think that's something to note when it comes to taking advice or asking questions because, and I've been there when I experienced the first two miscarriages, I had so many questions. And I think it's human instinct and second nature to ask why. And especially as women, I think it's second nature to assume that we did something wrong when the majority of the time, and as frustrating as it is to hear, this is just our body doing its job, nature taking its course in preventing pregnancies that for some reason were not right. And the majority of time when a miscarriage occurs, it happens due to chromosomal abnormalities. So for whatever reason, scientifically, it wasn't happening. (laughs) Those aren't the terms, by the way, that they would use, but that's how I perceive it. And the pregnancy would not necessarily have been fully sound, fully safe for the baby, for yourself. And that's the body's way of weeding out what shouldn't occur. So when I think something that's helpful, something that was very helpful for me was reframing why did this go wrong or did I pinpoint a reason to this is something that just happens. Things do go wrong. And a lot of the time, If we reframe the experience to, I'm grateful my body is functioning, I'm grateful that my body took care of something that was not necessarily supposed to happen. And of course, over time, and let's say this is a frequent experience for you, it's harder and harder to practice that gratitude and feel that way. But that's something that helped me while I was going through it. And as... (laughs) As a Pisces, I'm a fixer, right? So I too like went through this, I, I spun my wheels. I went through the spiraling of what did I do wrong? How can I fix this? How can I make sure this doesn't happen again? And a lot of the things I was looking at or trying to pinpoint weren't necessarily a direct causation or correlation for any of my experiences. Did I pick up on certain things where I now look back in hindsight and I'm like, oh, maybe that could have been a reason. And I'll get to those later in the episode. But those, um, you know, one, again, 
will not apply to everybody because everybody's different. And I don't think directly caused the miscarriages, but I do think that when something happens, it's a really great opportunity to reassess what's happening, right? You can check your hormone levels. You can check your, there are so many factors like your thyroid issues. Do you have a hormonal imbalance? Is your uterus structure framed in a certain way that's not conducive to what's happening? And for every person, that's different. So while I don't think those are the reasons, I do think information is power and it is helpful to know here are some things that are in my power that I could change. For me, one of those things that I did realize after the fact was I had a hormonal imbalance due to having an inactive thyroid. And this is a question that people ask me about all the time. I did, I am actually still on a hormonal supplement called levothyroxine, thyroxoid. Don't quote me on that. Um, It is to counteract my inactive thyroid. And I did read that that can cause early miscarriages in early pregnancy. So that was something that I found when I addressed did lead me to having a successful pregnancy. But again, because of the high statistics and numbers of one in three pregnancies can end in a miscarriage, so many other factors can go wrong. Will I know that that directly caused that that the hormonal balance imbalance directly caused that? No, I don't. But I did find that addressing those hormone issues for me did see me lead to a healthy pregnancy. And for so many people who suffer a myriad of issues, PCOS, endometriosis, you know, our bodies are so complex. And what I will say is that a lot of the time, people will unfortunately give you unwarranted, unsolicited advice, especially if you openly and publicly share your experience. And while I felt really grateful to be in a place to have an audience who was so receptive and understanding and came together in a collective experience that was not so necessarily pleasant for me to be a really wonderful support system. I found myself on the receiving end of a lot of advice and some necessarily I would not agree with. A lot of it was coming from a good place, but I think What you need to remember is people come to you and people, you know, share with you what they think went wrong or how you can fix this. There's no fixing this. Um, You have to remember that you've been in your body for 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years, however long, however old you are. We're not ages on this podcast. And so someone's outsider point of view might not necessarily be relevant in your experience, right? For me personally, I'm a South Asian woman with specific genetic um, 
you know, I have specific history of certain things in my family. I know that I'm low in iron. I know that I have a hormonal imbalance. I know that I know so many things that people don't necessarily have access or awareness to about myself. I've been in my body for 34 years. So I think taking everything with a pinch of salt, it's not the right word, grain of salt, a pinch of salt when these people come to you with well-meaning advice because no one knows my body better than me. I know how I respond to everything from sex to alcohol to caffeine, which we'll get to. Um, And so being armed with data is helpful because it allows you to make the best decision for your body. Something that I found interesting was that so much of what we know about pregnancy is spoken in alternates, right? Don't do this. Don't do that. And it comes from a place which causes women to be very fearful of a lot of things. Make sure you don't, it's it's always the way it's, make sure you don't eat this. Make sure you don't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. that. And a lot of the times, we don't question why. And what's helpful, what was really helpful for me was understanding the data myself so I could make the best decisions based on my body and my experience. Because we all respond to things differently. And somebody who I really found helpful was this economist Emily Oyster. I believe I actually might have mentioned her in the first or second episode. She is a Harvard professional. She wrote a book called Expecting Better. And what she does is present you with the data in which you can make the best decision for yourself. And she also presents you with information that's quantified so you understand percentages. So instead of saying, don't eat raw fish, you can't eat sashimi, blanket statement. She presents the information to you this way, which is this is the risk you would run if you had this outbreak or this experience and X, Y, Z. And she says the likelihood of this happening if you went to a place like this versus a place like this, it allows you to make the best decision for you because at the end of the day, Following every pregnancy rule while you're pregnant or trying to get pregnant will drive you crazy. It will because there is no right or wrong. And when you search for an answer in a situation that's not black and white, you lose your mind. I definitely lost mine um, many, many times. Still am. Still am on this journey and still figuring out what works for me and what doesn't. I, something, a big difference that I had to implement in my life. And actually the question, Emily, my queen, um, mentioned it was asked the most is how does caffeine levels affect pregnancy? And again, that is such a subjective experience because everybody's caffeine level is different, Right. I am crazy. I was drinking four shots of espresso in the morning. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I have a Terra Cafe. So I would make two double espressos with 
milk and that would be my first cup of coffee in the morning. Back in the day, that's the old me. The new me still has coffee. I'm not someone who's ever going to completely cut coffee. But I drink a double espresso in the morning and that's it. That's my coffee for the day. Back in the day, I used to actually drink four shots of coffee in the morning and then I would drink a second cup of coffee in the afternoon. And that's psychotic, I know. And so cutting back caffeine worked for me in that way because I was drinking an unsustainable amount of coffee. The data shows that caffeine in moderation, one to two cups a day does not affect a pregnancy. Whether you're trying to get pregnant or whether you are pregnant, it is okay to moderately consume caffeine. What you should look at if caffeine is a concern for you is other factors that caffeine can affect based on your personal medical history. And that sort of all comes down to, I think, making the best decision based on the information you have about your body, which is why the most important thing you can do as a human being in general, not even if you're trying to get pregnant, is to really understand how your body works from a hormonal standpoint, from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint. These are the things that allow us to make the best decisions for ourselves. And I've learned a lot along the way about what my body is capable of. I found out I was extremely deficient in vitamin D. I found out I was extremely deficient in iron. I found out I had a hormonal imbalance. And these are things that influence every decision you make moving forward. Supplements you take, alternative medication practices you would implement into your life. Prenatals that would be best for you. For, I, I got this question submitted, which was, could I recommend a best prenatal? And the thing is, I can't because a lot of prenatals are designed to meet what your body needs. And personally, I tried full well in the beginning, and I could not keep up with the amount of, of capsules you need to take. So you have to take eight prenatal pills with that supplement. And I just couldn't do it. My gag reflexes, which are amazing, by the way, could not keep that down. And so I switched to ritual. And, you know, there are a lot of ways you can address prenatals. Some people switch prenatals depending on the trimester they're in based of what they think their body needs. And for some people who have an extreme iron deficiency or any type of deficiency will look for a specific prenatal that addresses that issue, which is why it's so important to, as I've said a million times in this episode, do your research. Um, I also would love to have some medical professionals come on, hormonal specialists, OBGYN, doulas, so if there's anybody that you're very interested in or you are a fan of their work or you think would make a good guest on Unhinged to come and speak to this, please shoot me a line, send me a DM. I am open to all suggestions. Let me get into some of the questions that were submitted because I'm going to make sure I address them all. 
does the fatigue ever end week 12 and I feel it even though it's much less? Great question. I was exhausted in my first trimester. Exhausted. And I also want to note that my doctor, which actually is quite a common suggestion I realized in hindsight after and found a lot of women do do this, is prescribed me baby estrogen, baby estrogen, that's not a real thing, baby aspirin and progesterone. So what I found was tiring me the most was actually the change in hormones from the progesterone that I was taking in the first trimester. Because once I got off the progesterone in the second trimester, my skin went back to normal. I was having crazy cystic breakouts and my energy levels recalibrated. And I noticed I had so much more energy, which they do say happens in the first, in the second trimester. And oh, the other thing that I heard from somebody is that you're actually in your strongest physical state in your second trimester. And women feel like they can lift more, they can do more physical activities. Personally, I have not tried that theory yet. (laughs) I've just been doing my lightweight yoga, walking, um, leisure activities, shall we say. So I have not tried that theory personally, but it is said that that is common. What are the most annoying symptoms in the second trimester? Oh, where do I begin? I think that the most frustrating symptom for me in pregnancy, early pregnancy was my skin. I know that makes me sound vain, but I it, I suffered really bad cystic acne to the point it was painful for me. And my jaw, my hormonal acne, it was just covering my, it was almost like I had a beard of like cystic, painful bumps. And I noticed once I once I got off the progesterone that that died down, which was really nice. Um, and now I'm in second try. I would <laughs> I would say probably the gas. I know that sounds disgusting, but unfortunately, that's just something that happens, and it's uncontrollable. It helps to have a very understanding partner because at times something might pop out, you know, and it's not your fault. It's the baby's fault. This is the one time in life you get to blame the baby. So not the one time. I mean, I think the best part about having a kid is getting to blame the little kid. I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, it's, it, um, it's not you, it's your body responding to all the changes and, That is probably the most annoying symptom in the second trimester. Also, other annoying things while we're creating a safe space event is I fully popped in the second trimester, which somebody asked when I popped. Um, In the second trimester is definitely the most noticeable time of pregnancy for me. And so an annoying symptom of that is everybody coming up to me and touching my belly. I know people mean well, and it's done with really good intention, 
But sometimes it's extremely exhausting to want to have the same conversations and small talks every day about babies. And having people that I'm not that close to physically touch my stomach because in no other circumstance would that be okay or normal. So that is something that I'm figuring out how to say nicely. And usually if I kind of put my hands on my stomach or take a step back or show in some way my body language that's making me uncomfortable, most people are understanding to that. And I do feel as though it really depends on your relationship with the person. I have friends who I'm very physical with. And so with those people in particular, I don't mind if they like give me a hug and lovingly stroke my stomach. And then there are just some people who I have no physical relationship with. So it's weird for you to touch my stomach. It's weird for you to touch me in such an intimate place. And for some reason, people seem to think there's a get out of jail free card when it comes to pregnancy. And I think it's because they're all so excited and they mean well and they want to show you they're so happy for you, but that's kind of not the best way to do it. Um, Question about how soon after my second miscarriage did I get pregnant with my third? So the really crazy thing about my timing was that I have essentially been pregnant the entire year, which is crazy because it's crazy because mentally I am psychotic from the hormonal imbalance. And secondly, I didn't even know that that was physically impossible, physically possible. So we got pregnant in January and we had a miscarriage in March. And then immediately after that, got pregnant a month later, which I didn't even know was possible because I wasn't, I also want to say I wasn't keeping track of ovulation or timing sex in a specific way. We were just having sex in a normal way, a lot of it, which probably helped. Um, And I've heard that when you do get pregnant, your body, or when you're pregnant, your body wants to hold on to that state. So it's very common to get pregnant immediately after. So I basically had three pregnancies in a row. I never had a period in between. I haven't had a period since November last year. So as far as I'm concerned, I've been pregnant since the top of 2022, which is why when people are like, how does it feel? You must be so excited. I feel a little guilty admitting this, but I sometimes am a little over it because I've been pregnant since January and now we're in October. I should have had a baby by now. I'm extremely grateful to be in the position that I'm in, but I have been moderating what I eat and my behaviors and going through the ups and downs of physically losing pregnancies and getting pregnant again and body fluctuations. And so it would be nice for the baby to come sooner than later. I talk to to her a lot and I say, listen, mom has 
been through a lot. She has been pregnant all year, so we need to be on time. We cannot be late because she's been waiting for a really long time for you to come right out. And hopefully she's listening to me in there. We will see in March, which is my due date. I have been asked by many people if I stopped drinking alcohol or caffeine, which I addressed previously, between pregnancy two and three. So I would say as far as drinking goes, I'm not a crazy drinker. I don't drink. I'm more of a cigarette and smoking, taking an edible type of girl. I've obviously quit smoking cigarettes since. And so those were more of my vices. And so alcohol for me was not something I did all the time anyway. So cutting back, I mean, I didn't really have a lot to cut back from. I'm still having a glass of wine here and there, and I think that's okay. As far as cutting out drinking completely, I didn't make any changes in between any of the pregnancies. I, of course, adjusted that behavior once I knew I was pregnant, but I was on vacation in Europe between my second and third pregnancies. So I would probably say I was drinking a little more than I typically do, which is the irony of everything because we do all these things to set up what we would consider a, a very welcoming, healthy, inviting womb. And then sometimes it just happens when you least expect it. For me, I really, after the two miscarriages, did not expect to get pregnant right away. One, because I was so surprised by the two back-to-back that I was like, there's no way I can my I can physically get pregnant again after everything my body's been through. I haven't had a period in six or seven months at this point. And so I wasn't moderating any of my vices. And, and that might sound terrible. But also my vices aren't anything crazy. So it's hard to say. Um a lot of questions about doctors giving me specific advice or direction after the miscarriages. I will say I took a really long time to find a good OBGYN and I finally have a good one who is very direct and thorough and calls it like it is. When we had our second pregnancy, he straight up said, I don't think this is a viable pregnancy based off what I'm seeing. He was, you know, really warm and kind in his delivery, but he called it straight away that he didn't think the pregnancy would go through. And I appreciated that directness because we'd had terrible experiences in the past. And his perspective was always like, this is normal. This happens and it's just bad luck, unfortunately, that you had two back-to-back experiences. And even with the third in the beginning, we had a lot and we've had a lot of ups and downs. I had crazy bleeding in the first trimester to the point where I was 
my friend Maud drove me to the doctors and I ran into the, I ran into the appointment room and I'm crying and I'm screaming at the front desk and I'm hysterical and I'm saying, I've had two miscarriages this year. I'm having another one. I was certain I was having another miscarriage because I was bleeding so heavily. I would say I was soaking like a full pad in like 20 to 30 minutes. Like looking at the amount of blood that was exiting my body, I was like, there is no way that, that I am still currently pregnant. And it's also, you know, very triggering because it brings up all the past experiences for you and everything you've gone through in such a short amount of time. And it was so, I was so certain that a miscarriage was happening and strangers in the waiting room were coming up to me, comforting me because I was clearly like having a meltdown. And it turned out that I had a bleed in my sack and I was put on bed rest, but you know, all these things, like e even as the pregnancy continues, it kind of never goes away of can this happen? Obviously, as we go further into the pregnancy, the chances become less and less. Um, but he was always like, this is normal. This is not the first time your child will scare you. These things happen. And being armed with the facts of how common something is really does help you understand that it's not something that went wrong. Things do go wrong, I want to say, by the way. I did not personally have that experience. We tested the fetus the second time. So if you have insurance, if you have three miscarriages in a row, it um, it should be covered by in, in your insurance to be able to, if you have a DNC, take the remains you, I don't believe you can do this if you naturally miscarry, but if you do have the ability to identify that a miscarriage is happening and schedule that DNC and able to take extract that and test that, that's something I would recommend. I didn't get any conclusive findings from that test. I did that on the second time around. And it's equally as frustrating because you want an answer. And so the doctor's like, nothing's wrong. And he, and I was annoyed. And he's like, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. Nothing's wrong. This just means it's just science. It's just nature. It's your body doing its thing. But I was looking for an answer like so many people are. And, and that's natural. I wanted to know why. And I needed there to be a reason. And our human psyche for some reason needs an answer to be able to process certain things. But like most things in life, you don't get answers. And so I was really looking to that test to sort of give me some type of solid finding on why, but it turned out that there was no why. There was just, this is just what it is. And that was a good thing because afterwards the third one was a successful pregnancy. So he never gave me any specific advice. He did just reassure me that this is something that happens and we were really on top of moderating everything, even so to the point where I actually had an amniocentesis last week because we are trying to stay on top of every single thing, given that they consider me a high-risk pregnancy 
given the nature of everything that's happened in the past and being, and as a result of me being 35 and upwards during delivery. So another thing I wanted to note, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm answering everybody's questions. I have a little handwritten list here from what you guys have been, oh, submitting. Actually, this is a good one that a lot of people asked about was acupuncture. And so I don't, I did do acupuncture between my second and third miscarriage. I, again, don't know if this directly impacted the third successful pregnancy, but I do know that it can help with restoring and rebalancing hormonal levels, inflammation in the uterus, and it's safe to actually do pretty relatively soon after. And so for just even emotional peace, emotional state, peace of mind, I felt it really helped me with unblocking the energetic flows in my body and allowing it to heal. It also just helps you with getting back to a a more of a deep relaxing state of mind because it is normal to be plagued with anxiety and stress and worry and you know depression just all these things all these natural symptoms you have when you go through a traumatic experience and so I don't know if scientifically acupuncture I don't know the direct correlation between acupuncture and, you know, increasing chances of pregnancy. But I do think that if it's something your insurance or if you can afford to try, if you've, if, you know, you've got a good recommendation, I would see how you feel after the first session, because I felt a, a distinct change in energy flow And I don't know if that medically impacted my ability to go on to have a successful pregnancy afterwards, but it did put me into a much better emotional state of mind, which I think is helpful when you are trying to have a baby. More on, okay, finding energy post miscarriage. I feel so lost. I completely feel you. And I think that there is no linear approach to healing. It's something that you take one step at a time. And there are days I still think about everything that happened earlier this year. And I think it'll be a long period of time before, or I don't know if I'll ever be fully recovered from that. I do think that focusing on immediate next steps like how am I going to get through today how am I going to get through the week how am I going to focus on what I need to do was helpful for me because anytime I thought too far advanced into the future of what's it going to be like when we try again how does this adjust my timeline which which is bullshit by the way um there is no timeline unfortunately we just have to go with the hand we're dealt I got overwhelmed and just shut down because I think especially as somebody who's in their mid thirties, who's had health issues, it's stressful even thinking about how you're going to adjust this map you have of your life and 
getting back on track, like that was such a daunting and overwhelming concept to me that I would feel totally disheartened when I was like, how can I get back on track? And that would kind of like push me even more into this depressive slump of not doing anything. Finding time and space to be completely alone and offline was helpful for me. And it was something that was definitely not easy to do given that a lot of my work is front facing. And I think this is different for everybody. Sharing was extremely cathartic for me because I didn't have to go through it alone or put on a happy face um, or pretend like everything was fine. And also gave me the space for people in my life to be more understanding of why I wasn't, you know, the same smiley, happy person with the same zest for life. And I don't know how comfortable you feel sharing that publicly. I do feel there are some benefits to sharing, at least with the close people in your life, to grant you the understanding and compassion and kindness you deserve in a time like this is really helpful because you aren't going to bounce back tomorrow or in the following week. Things aren't magically going to be okay. But what does happen over time is you, you know, you understand that it wasn't you. There was nothing that you could have done to prevent this. Um, These things just happen. And over time, you just continue on with that peace of mind. I also felt like like so many people, I wanted an answer. And so I buried myself in research and pregnancy Reddit, which is an interesting place. And I found a lot of support from online communities who've gone through similar, but I also found a lot of unwanted opinions. And, you know, there's a fine line. I think being able to experience something collectively is helpful. I don't think every single thing needs to be shared or adhered to. Even just, you know, getting pregnant during COVID, I had a lot of friends who were, you know, very, uh, how do we say it? I have a lot of, you know, vaccination theories. I live in LA. So I've heard, you name it, I've heard it every type of health conspiracy. And I had a friend who was insisting that it was the fact that I had COVID during my first pregnancy and it was the vaccination effects. And sometimes you really just have to block out all the white noise and find a way to heal that just shuts out the rest of the world because there is no, no, there's nothing that can be said on a solution that can help you move on you need to find that for yourself however that comes I did a lot of journaling I armed myself with a lot of information to feel comfortable in the fact that I didn't do anything wrong and I think that because that's such a natural instinct response being able to look at the situation and say, I know that I didn't cause these miscarriages. I know that this is just my body's way of weeding out something that wasn't necessarily right in terms of the chromosomes and the way it all came together. And once I felt confident in that based off the amount of like research and knowledge I had done for myself, 
it allowed me to move forward. Like I said, I'm not a medical professional and I don't know if you will have that same experience, but I do think it will help put your help put those worries to ease on what I could have reframing what I could have done differently or what did I find wrong or what was the solution or where did it go wrong because a lot of the times there just isn't an answer um okay guys that's all for me I thought this would be a shorter episode but it turns out I spoke for an hour straight about pregnancies and miscarriages like I said earlier in the episode I can only speak from my experience firsthand and the research I've done knowing my body and knowing how I respond to certain things. I know for a a lot of women, it is not as straightforward as having a couple of miscarriages and getting pregnant successfully on their third pregnancy. I have friends and family who've experienced four or five miscarriages more. Um, I read an essay on a woman who experienced eight miscarriages before having her successful ninth pregnancy. I find that incredibly commendable. I don't know if I would have had the strength to continue on, but I think everyone's experience is different and it is a really beautiful thing. I feel grateful to have the outlet and avenue to be able to express my feelings and share my experiences and I'm truly grateful that so many people have felt vulnerable and open enough to share similar experiences with me because I don't think that there is necessarily a lot of outlets in which that can be done so I really do take the time to respond to every single DM or email or inquiry or um, shared experience when it comes to pregnancy loss. But I also think it would be helpful for me to create the platform to share professional opinions and advice. So stay tuned on that. We will definitely be having medical professionals who can speak to hormones and mental health, recovery, um, doulas. If you have, like I said, suggestions for any of these potential unhinged guests, please send them my way. I would love to have them on the show. We will be back next week with a guest. I won't be boring you with another one-hour monologue. Uh, this episode was very special to me. I have been meaning to address all the questions, DMs. I didn't even get to all of them, but I know that we can cover more with some wonderful guests. I will be back next week. If you have been enjoying the show, please leave me a loving review and a compliment because one of my love languages are words of affirmation. I respond to compliments. Um, leave us a loving five-star review or, you know, whatever you want to say on there, on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you consume your podcast, because it does help us grow as a new podcast. And especially as we cover specific topics that typically get censored on social media, it is super helpful when we have you guys supporting us on there. So 
I will be back next week. I hope I got to addressing at least some of the uh, submitted questions and DMs and sending love and light to all of you who are going through something similar. It's not easy. And I'm really grateful that we have formed this community that allows us to share these experiences and normalize what this experience looks like because it is not black and white. There are no answers. The only thing we can really do to get through this is share our experiences and know that we're not alone in it. We're not alone and we're all in this together. So it is truly an honor for me to be a part of that community. All right, guys, I will see you for next week's episode and uh, take care till then. Ciao for now. Thanks so much for listening to Unhinged. And if you have excellent taste and enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe and leave me a loving review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at It's Amrit and submit those weekly questions for our iconic guests. I'll see you next time. Ciao for now.